This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank, and what a night. It was last night in Morgantown, West Virginia, as the Sooners pulled off a huge W thanks to their senior leader. Doolittle bounces it into Wooder. Half court with six. Top of the key, down the lane, driving. Layup and it's gone! Two seconds, he banked it in with two. And they pause for us to look at the replay. Jordan Woodard with a head of steam all the way to the rim, off the glass and in. And the Sooners held on for an 89-87 win over West Virginia. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. What a night and what a bounce back for Sooner basketball after a rough start to the Big 12, after a rough stretch from about you know mid-December to early January, Oklahoma has put together two straight wins, and obviously Coach Lon Kruger feeling pretty good. Very, very happy for the guys. I tell you what, to go on the road and, and play a West Virginia club that's outstanding and, and then uh, you know kind of control decently the ball game for the first uh, you know 25 minutes or so, and then they make a run, and we're down 15, and our guys just kept fighting and kept plugging, and so couldn't be more proud. You played 45 minutes of basketball tonight and turned it over 12 times against these guys. It's the fewest points West Virginia's had off turnovers all year. What a credit to the way your guys handled the basketball. I thought our guys fought that every every possession, and it's so tough because if you turn it over once, it's like they get six points off of it yeah. because they come right back at you and, and you're you're flustered a little bit. And, and a guy didn't ever have that happen to him. They, we did turn over occasionally, but uh, they came back with a stronger play the next possession and didn't let one turnover turn into six or seven points. Well, and Jordan Woodard deserves a lot of credit for that, but Cam Mugusty and Christian Doolittle had a lot to do with that too. And we're talking about two true freshmen who are seeing this for the first time in their lives tonight and handled it remarkably well. Uh, they, they were outstanding. It, it speaks to their instincts. Uh, both those uh, freshmen... Uh, you know, Cam and, and Christian Doolittle have great instincts. Uh, they're going to get better and better, but their instincts are really good. They're good basketball players, and we're excited about uh, not only what they did tonight, but what they're going to do in the future. So, speaking of Christian Doolittle, what a performance. He sat down courtside with Toby after the game. When it went into overtime, I mean, a lot happened before that, but it looked like you had it won maybe in regulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan we had misses the, the free throw, and then yeah. it goes to overtime. Just tell me about the thought process there, because I'm assuming you guys were a little down maybe. We were game. down, and the coaches realized that, but they told us we got to keep doing what we, what we were doing to get us to that point, to get us the lead and eventually win the game. Uh, we got lucky to miss the free throw at overtime, and uh, we, just, we just kept battling. We were down 12. Uh, late in regulation, but then we came, we came back. Uh, Cam and, and Wood were playing amazing, uh, which is our coaches have been telling them to do. Like, we need them to score, and everything will flow. Once once they once they get going, defense got to focus on them more. It opens up for everybody else. And uh, there's a lot of people who stepped up to, uh, tonight. And like Jamani, he, he was going off in the first half. He yeah. had 12 off of dunks <laughs> so <laughs> so that was really good but uh it was a great win for the Sooners um it's a two-game win streak uh haven't had one of those in a while so it's, that also <laughs> feels good but uh yeah I'm just ready to get back home so Christian Doolittle what about the star from last night Jordan Woodard who afterwards posted this on social media and for him it was more about looking ahead than looking back headed back to Norman leaving Morgantown with the W 
Need to pack out the LNC on Saturday. Love to see y'all there. Yeah. We're gonna get another win. Make sure y'all loud. We turn up. We're on the plane right now. Headed back. Hope to see y'all there. Thank you. One love. Jordan Woodard and the excitement level high for this basketball team right now. And what would a Sooner Sports podcast be without hearing from the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland? Toby, what a special night last night for the Sooners to put it all together, uh, beat a top 10 team on the road. Just uh, something special and something that's been building. Yeah, I mean, I was just so happy for him afterwards. And it's been a rough year, and there's been a lot of quiet flights home. And, and uh, uh, for them to get to experience that last night, it's, it's, it's great to win at home. It's great to win at home because you get to share it with 12,000 people. But as you know, there's something pretty cool about winning a big game on the road, too, when everybody's rooting against you. And... Um, yeah, it was great for them to experience that last night. They were down 15 with nine minutes to go in Morgantown and absolutely dead in the water, no momentum. And they won. I think it's- I, I mean, that's a, I can't wait to watch it back to try to remember how. Because I, I, when, when I give you that scenario, mm-hmm. then Katie bar the door. I mean, it's over. You don't, you don't win that game. And they just methodically chipped and chipped and chipped and and found a way to win especially on the road in that environment in a place that had knocked off the number one team in the country uh earlier this year not granted for Baylor there might have been a certain sense of wow we're finally here at number one but uh Toby in every aspect of the game you know I was I was out there at practice on Monday you know I I I talked to Richard Odoms we talked to Jordan Woodard we talked to coach we watched them practice you felt good about the way that they practiced uh, but, you know, it, it's still one of those types of situations with how West Virginia plays that you never know how young guys are going to react. And, boy, you may, I, you, you, we had played the, the Doolittle interview afterwards to see the way that Odoms stepped up and just the lack of panic, you know, in a young team. I mean, is that a, obviously it's a credit to the coaching, but – I think you got to give a lot to Jordan Woodard too as being a stabilizing force for this squad, right? Well, I, without question. I mean, he he, uh, he decided late in that game, I'm going to win this, and he did twice. I mean, he he, <laughs> he should have won it in regulation yeah. if he hits a free throw, and he did win it in overtime. I think what it solidifies too last night is, and I don't know that there was any doubt, but if there was any. It certainly solidifies a belief in in your coaching staff. You oh, know? absolutely. When you devise a game plan like that and they execute it to perfection and then he can come back in the locker room and say, see, then next time when you drop a game plan from Iowa State, everybody's on the edge of their seat a little more. And I'm not saying there was any non-belief before, but this is the first time a lot of these guys have gone through this. And they're not experiencing a lot, a lot of success. But I think – Last night was good in a lot of ways. You know, it, it was interesting. You had talked to the play-by-play voice of West Virginia the other day, and he had said the uh, Mountaineers weren't fouling as much. And I'd look back at the stats from last year, and, you know, the Sooners had lived at the free throw line in a couple of those games. I think, what, one game they had 32 free throws maybe? It, it, it had been against West Virginia. And to credit West Virginia, this isn't a situation last night to where, oh, they suddenly started fouling me. I think the Sooners did go to the free throw line 21 times, but it they played well. You know, it's not one of these things to where you can look back to last night and say, well, West Virginia kind of, they didn't do this right. West Virginia played a good basketball game. The Sooners just went in there and beat them. 
Yeah, I thought that um, I thought West Virginia. The only fault really I would have in them is, uh, well, two things. One, when they didn't have success with the press early, I think it took the starch out of them a little bit. Like they lost the enthusiasm to trap because they couldn't turn them over. Like OU was taking care of the ball and getting it up the court, and and it became easier as the game went along because the trap became less enthusiastic. And the other thing is when OU started to make a run at them, I think they got nervous. I mean, I think you, you saw them tighten up a little bit. They had some uncharacteristic turnovers of their own. They took some ill-advised shots. You could sense the crowd starting to, uh-oh, here they come. Uh, right. It's not supposed to be like this, you yeah. know? And the, even the free throws in overtime, they go four for nine at the free throw line. So I think the moment and, and the magnitude of we're about to blow a game we're supposed to absolutely win. We're huge favorites here tonight, and this is slipping away from us. I, it got to them a little bit, I think. Impressive performance. 1 o'clock on Saturday. Oklahoma and Iowa State, be there, be loud, as the Sooners look to make it three straight. Now, originally this week we had planned to chat with Matty Manning, but we tape our podcasts on Thursday, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention how the OU women's basketball family, and specifically Tiana Edwards, are in our thoughts and prayers today. Tiana, of course, lost her mother a couple of weeks ago, uh, tragic, untimely death. Uh, Our thoughts and prayers are with the OU women's basketball family as they celebrated the life of Tiana's mother today and later to rest. Uh, We'll chat with Maddie and we'll preview a lot of women's college basketball and talk a lot about this OU Sooner team coming up next week. But, again, thoughts and prayers with OU women's basketball and the family of Tiana Edwards. Let's move on to a little gymnastics and tennis. I had a chance this week to chat with both K.J. Kindler and Nick Crowell. Great start for the men's tennis program. They had to battle Mother Nature a little bit, but we caught up with Nick Crowell in the Sooner Sports Spotlight, and here's a guy that is excited to be in Norman. You know, getting here mid-July, just uh, it's been a whirlwind, you know, getting the family here at first, and then you now we've been really trying to bring in a lot of new players and, and uh, joining the, the current team that we had here and a lot of experienced guys, but, you know, it's been a it's been a uh, big adventure here just trying to get the team put together, and, and we did it, and, and we had a great, great day on Friday. Great start. Weather played a little bit of havoc with that Friday night match, but we still got two matches in over the weekend. What did you learn about your team over the weekend? You know, we got our, we got our older guys out there, number one, and, and they came back in shape, and, and they were looking really good. I thought the guys looked very sharp. Um, very impressed with the, the, the newer guys that came in. We had, we had five new guys on the team that had never played a dual match, and, and we got a look at four of them. So all of them were undefeated, and, and that was good. Yeah, learned a lot. Uh, won all but one match. Uh, the entire weekend swept through the doubles matchups. One was a six of seven, seven of eight yeah. of the singles matchup. So let's go through some of these individuals because okay. it's almost like you have two separate teams yeah. because you have this incredible group of returnees that have clinched two Big 12 titles, won a national indoor championship, three, three straight finals. Then you have a bunch of guys that have never even stepped on the collegiate court yet. Let's start with the experience, though. I want to talk about Andrew Harris a little bit. Here's a guy that didn't play much in the fall, an Australian, but definitely a top-five talent, isn't he? Yeah, you know, I think Andrew's one of the best players in college tennis, maybe the best player. Uh, he just got off of a, came from a tournament in Australia, uh, was, was basically a couple points away from beating a top 75 in the, play, uh, in the world player on the pro circuit. 
had a big win in his first round, and, and you know he's re he's ready to go and, and healthy, ready to get back into it. Get a good look at him there on the screen. Uh, screen. Florian Bargusi, who is a guy that uh, a little bit of a quiet leader, but you have the local guy, you know, in in the midst of the Romanian Alex Galea. You have Spencer Papa, who all he's done is just, you know, climb up to 18th in the country right now. That's right. Spencer had a great fall. He came in here ready to go, playing very, very loose, playing very aggressive, and uh, went, went to the Southern Intercollegiate at the University of Georgia, got to the finals. Uh, was just a couple points away from winning that tournament and had a good regional tournament as well and was actually match points away from, from winning the regionals and doubles. So he, he's had a great fall and, and you know, we're, we're looking for him to, to do big things. You met, we, we saw Alex Galea there on the, uh, uh, the uh, CG that we had kind of running down some of this returning experience that you had. He had a great moment whenever he was able to clinch that spot in the national championship match. I mean, that's... That's the kind of grit, that's the kind of experience that you just, you just can't match, can you? Yeah, this guy works so hard every day, comes to practice, ready to go. I think he's a, he's a great team leader. And, you know, the team looks to him for experience uh, in the locker room and just how he practices every day. And then, you know, when it comes time to win the matches, you know, he's, he's had a great record in those clinchers throughout his career. So we're looking for big things from, from Alex. How important is it when you have upperclassmen and experience like this to set the example for the younger guys? How key is that and have you seen that? Yeah, we, we've been talking about culture a lot in the locker room and, and how we want to practice and how we want to play, how we want to act. And, you know, these guys have come in uh, with so much experience from the last three years. And just in the first week, you can see it uh, rolling over to these new players. All right, speaking of those new players, it's quite a laundry list of young, talented guys. Coach, what are you looking for when you bring in young guys? You know, we're looking for guys, number one, good character, come in here, work hard, be good student-athletes, but we want guys that have come in that have won at a really high level. And I think all four of these guys have. Um, you know, you see Johan Birch from Germany, was a top seven player in Germany, had a lot of great results. And, and, you know, he's a lefty, comes in with a big forehand and real exciting player to watch, has a lot of energy. And then his counterpart from Germany, Adrian Oetzbach, a little bit more of like Mr. Cool on the court, very calm demeanor, and, uh, but brings a huge serve, big forehand. And, and that guy, you know, the first week has been, been really impressive. And then, you know, we have a French guy named Arnaud Restefo, and you know, Arnaud's just like super excited to be here. He's coming <laughs> with all this energy on the court, and you know, we're just trying to keep him keep him a little calm and and and, and kind of stay in, in the moment. And then, you know, our Duke transfer, uh, Adrian Chamdani, was a was a late minute addition, but I think he's going to bring extreme uh, experience to the team. He's won at a really high level in juniors, and then you know, having a year under his belt at Duke was was definitely. Good. So many of these young guys have played in incredibly competitive matches and tournaments already all across the world. But what's their biggest adjustment? What's one of the biggest challenges when they step on campus? You know, I think it's just combining the school, uh, the rigors of every day, going to study hall, meeting with your tutors, making sure you get food, <laughs> making sure you get to the courts on time, you know, and just having that structure. Um, but, you know, our first week we didn't have to deal with, with much school. We were just focused on the tennis, and then now this week, we throw the school in there, and, and you know, there's going to be some transition time, but our, our older guys are really going to help with that, and it's going to be good. Now we talked about your guys. Let's talk about you a little bit. Obviously, okay. your first year on the job by way of Florida State, where you spent a lot of times as the associate head coach, 13 seasons there, yeah. and 13 seasons, 13 NCAA appearances. Not a, not a bad track record, yeah. but what led you to Norman, and how excited are you for this opportunity? You know, super excited for uh, to be here. My family and I were just... Uh, couldn't be more thankful to be here, but you know I grew up in Amarillo, Texas, Big 12, went to the University of Texas, so I kind of grew up in this area, and you know always wanted to come back into the Big 12 and, and this part of the world. Family's still in Amarillo, Texas, and 
And uh, so we're, we're happy to be here. You've got rid of all their burnt orange gear, right? They're all in crimson there's, and cream right now, right? There's, no, there's nothing left. <laughs> how, much, how much does it help for you then, being from this area, uh, and being a successful collegiate player to relate to some of these young guys. Yeah, you know, when you come in as a freshman and, and everything's new, I, you know, we can kind of relate to those guys. And I think it's just helping them as much as possible. You know, you don't want to do everything for them. You want them to become independent. But especially for these guys coming in in January, I mean, we're competing uh, this Saturday night against the number two team in the country, but these guys have only been here five days. Wow. So, we, you know, we're trying to help them transition as fast as possible. What about that challenging schedule? You brought it up. Uh, not only is the Big 12 a tough conference, but also you're playing the number two team in the country coming yeah. up this weekend with Wake Forest. How big of a challenge is that? I, th I think it's a huge challenge. You know, we're trying to get ready this week and, and prepare the best we can, l learn from some things that we saw this past weekend. Uh, and just kind of see which one of these new guys is going to be ready to go. I know the four uh, returners are, are raring, to, raring to go and get ready for Wake. All right, so there's head coach Nick Kroll as the Oklahoma tennis team takes on number two in the country, Wake Forest, this weekend. Wow, number one with the bullet. That's the OU women's gymnastics team. We caught up with K.J. Kindler earlier this week and started by asking coach about the excitement of pulling off that W against UCLA and the excitement of that great crowd that was there on Sunday afternoon. Yes, I mean, I'll be honest, we were 100 short of our record. Oh, wow. 100 people. So I'm feeling like that's really going to be shattered this year. We have two more home meets in Lloyd Noble and one up in Oklahoma City. So I feel like the weather's really been against us the first couple meets, and I think I'm just really looking forward, actually, to the next home meeting to see how many more people come out and with the students back on campus, what that's going to look like. Because... It made a huge difference to our team. It makes a huge difference in the atmosphere. And to have that kind of support um, and to see it growing the way it is is super exciting. You know, it was it was really – talking to you has really educated me on the sport. And, Coach, obviously I have a lot still to learn. But whenever you had said that you like the idea of a raucous crowd and everyone thinks, oh, everyone be quiet, don't say anything, but you like that crowd that's energetic and into it. Why is that? Uh, because I, I think our team just feeds off of it, as anybody does in a, in a sporting situation. I was actually thinking um, last night I was watching a basketball game on TV, mm -hmm. and uh, you know how the crowd gets all rowdy when they do free throws? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if it got completely silent, if that would be more distracting. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. And I was thinking someone should try that, but... Like, I think a lot of times that's what our crowds think. They need to be very silent, and they absolutely don't. The, the team loves to hear them, and even during routines to clap for when they make a big move and things like that, you can clap for that. You can show your appreciation for that, and, and they can, you know, they can appreciate that. So it just gets them more excited, and I, I mean, our team just was really feeding off that. It was, it was very fun. I uh, I saw some of the videos. I think it was uh, it was AJ after she had finished her floor routine. Whenever she uh, she pumped her fist, you saw some of the emotion from your student athletes, coach. That's got to be uh, again uh, not to just say, "Hey, wow!" I mean, we expect this. We expect this kind of stuff with what you've built with OU gymnastics. But to see the crowd respond and to see your student athletes respond with excitement like that—that's got to be a reassuring thing too. It is, and. and and that was a really great routine for her. You know, she, that was raw emotion because last year, um, and this is might be too detailed for you, but no. she had to take out that very first tumbling pass that is huge. You know, it's it's sky high. It's very difficult. It's the the highest level of difficulty 
in college gymnastics. She had to take that out because she had a little nagging um, tendonitis in her Achilles and we didn't want to take a risk. But this year, able to put it back in and like for her being able to do that again and then nailing the whole routine, like you could just see she was just very proud of that moment. And that is what gets you, you know, get your heart pumping and get <laughs> you going. And, and those are the moments that that raw emotion that makes sport so fun. Talking about AJ Jackson, it was it was incredible, and you could see her pump her fist and the whole crowd rising behind her. It was a great atmosphere on Sunday. So you're back up to number one. In, as I learned last week, that's really about point totals. But uh, to reach what 198 this early in the season, what does that say about where this team is right now, Coach, and where it could go? That's really surprising, actually. That's a really high score, and um, you know, last year the NCAA championship was won with a lesser score than that. Um, by our team. So, you know, scores fluctuate depending on your officials. And so you can't put a ton of stock in it. And you're more looking at the performances and you want the performances to continue to, you know, grow and get better. And, you know, with our trained eyes, we can see, you know, what improved, what didn't improve. And um, we just want to keep getting better at gymnastics. And so that's our goal. But the, the score is certainly reflective of a great performance. Um, but we don't put all our eggs in that score. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Uh, you swept the Big 12 Weekly Honors, Chase Caps, Gymnast of the Week. We mentioned A.J. Jackson, Event Specialist of the Week. And then there's Maggie Nichols, you know, probably hyped, the most hyped uh, student-athlete we've seen here of any sport, maybe in a long time, considering that we were watching her in the Olympic trials, and she mm-hmm. was right on the verge of making the team. How has she handled the hype? How has she handled the pressure, Coach? She's super humble, and she's She's been amazing, actually. I mean, she just, for me, my heart lights up just watching her enjoy herself the way she is um, because this last year has been so tough for her, you know, missing out on that big dream and all those things that she um, was planning and wanting to accomplish. And this is the next step in her career. And you can see she's absolutely loving every moment moment of it. And I think that's the best part about it. She's She is an exceptional athlete. And if you haven't seen her, you should come out and check her out because um, – She's just has amazing form and presence out there and a smile that could light up the room. I mean, she's just um, a great, great athlete to watch. So uh, she's handling it really well, and I'm really excited. You know, we're just at the beginning here, and she she has to be resilient through 15 meets, which she's never done before, and we have to be really um, cognizant of that. Uh, we may rest her this week on an event just to give her a little bit of a break and make sure that, um, the season continues to be successful for her and her body, you know, can bounce back. But we're going to be smart that way in a couple meets. And um, obviously in in the matchups against LSU and whatnot, she'll be doing it all. But uh, we're definitely going to have to be a little bit smart with her down the, down the road. Do your younger athletes get that? In other words, you're not doing it because, oh, I, I don't want you to do that, you're, you're being punished. You're doing it because mm-hmm. you want them to rest, because you want their body fresh. And you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, as far as the younger, uh, and, and I guess just Maggie in this instance, she's used to doing everything. But do, do they get mm-hmm. it and understand that it's for the betterment of their body with the grind that is uh, not just the Big 12 but also your schedule? I think so, definitely. And, um, and the event, you know, that really is the most taxing is floor. And so when you're resting someone, that's usually the event you select to rest somebody. And we just happen, we have not in several years had the depth necessary to rest a lot of people, um, to be quite honest. And this year, our floor depth is great. And so it's going to allow us the opportunity to give Chase a break or give Maggie a break or give AJ a break if they need one 
um, and get give the opportunity to another one of our athletes who you know works just as hard and um, has has definitely earned the opportunity to compete as well. So. I'm kind of excited about having that. I think that's something we haven't been able to do a lot in the past. Hey, before I let you run, Coach, you're traveling to Morgantown this weekend against West Virginia. Can you kind of give me a snapshot? I know that, what what is it, five, six teams that compete in women's gymnastics in the Big 12. How challenging is the conference slate, and is this league where you want it to be? Um, You know, I, I want the league to be as, you know, competitive as possible. So until we're all ranked in the top 10. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's, that's what you want. And, and we're not quite there yet, but um, I, I think, you know, a couple things about West Virginia, um, they're hosting regionals. It's good for us to get out there early. Um, they're a very, a young team. So this is a lot of freshmen on this team and they're just kind of getting their feet wet right now. But uh, it's very important that our league be as strong as possible. Um, I, I would say right now that the SEC um, has dominated for the last 10 years uh, for being the strongest conference in women's gymnastics. But the Pac-12 is pushing, the Big Ten is pushing, and and we are getting better every year. So um, it, it's just becoming more competitive as everything is. You know, it's all about recruiting. So. Spring semester, <laughs> absolutely. It's spring semester getting underway. So for the first time during the season, obviously you've had workouts and uh, training and everything, but uh, is this new for a lot of people in the senior leadership, obviously there to help out with that balance that is going to class, it is getting your work done, and then, of course, practice, and then even meets as well, too. How much does this change things for people? Changes a lot, actually. You know, and I've got a lot of um, – a lot of young women who do very well in the classroom and put a lot of pressure on themselves to do well in the classroom. And so that was actually what most of our team meeting was about yesterday, about getting ahead, making sure you're organized with your classes. You know what's going on. You know what's coming up so that the stress of it doesn't hit you like a brick wall. You know, if you plan ahead, if you know what's coming, you can usually, you know, spread out your studying. When we travel, this is surprising, and I wonder if this is the same for other teams. Our, we get a higher GPA during our season than we usually do in the spring. Really? Um, and I think it's because we're traveling and they have a lot more downtime um, that they can spend studying and that I can, you know, dedicate to spe- studying on the road. And um, they end up doing quite well. But it is, I think, for the freshmen, it'll be the biggest adjustment. The rest of our team has has done this before. Been there, done that. They, they got it under control. But the freshmen definitely need a little guidance. Thanks for joining us for the Sooner Sports Podcast. As always, we appreciate your feedback, so let us hear you. At Sooner Sports TV, at OU on the Air, very active on Twitter. And, of course, if you subscribe through iTunes, search Sooner Radio Network, you can leave a comment, uh, leave a review. It always helps us out. And, of course, through SoundCloud, search Sooner Radio Network. Whichever way you download, we have a way for you to get the Sooner Sports Podcast as well at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Everyone have a great sports-filled weekend. Hopefully we can get two W's from the men's and women's basketball team. OU women are home this weekend against Oklahoma State. And next week, Maddie Manning joins us right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Until then, everyone have a great weekend. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.